Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. What's up, everybody? My name is Aaron DeLong. I am the lead pastor here. I want to thank you for being with us today. Uh, We are in a series called Stay Positive. This is week number two. And man, I am so thankful for a series like this, specifically because of the season of life that we are in. Man, not only are we in the middle of a pandemic that has just continued to go on and on and on, much longer than we actually expected it to, but we're also in an election cycle with a lot of social tensions going on. And there is a need for us to, man, Let's inject our souls with something to help us stay positive. So super excited about this series. Glad that you're here with us. Today I get to talk about a subject that I am very passionate about, and it is the cure for complaining. Now, before we jump into it, let's do real quick. How all of you guys play along, specifically if you're in our online campus, get ready to make some comments. Uh, But the question is, how many of you know somebody who just loves to complain? Like they just go on and on and on. It seems like the point of their existence is to complain. Just throw an emoji that looks like this or, or say, yep, that's me. Now don't name anybody. And if you're in one of our watch parties, don't point at anybody. That'll certainly give them more reason to complain if you call them out like that. But if you know somebody who complains, if you're like me, people who complain around me just drain me. Like the more they complain, like I said, it seems to be like their life's mission to complain about everything. When they start complaining like that, I instantly want to take a nap. Like I just want to pass out. In fact, I would rather gnaw off my own feet and bleed out than hang out with one of these Debbie Downers. Now, did you see what I just did? All of you were agreeing with me. All of you are like, yep, can't stand somebody who complains. But what was I just doing? I was complaining. See, it's really easy for us to slip into a mode where we complain. It's so easy to do it. In fact, I don't even think that we need a lot of words to complain uh, anymore. In fact, I'll tell you this. I was in uh, uh, St. Augustine this past summer. My family and I went on vacation there. And one of the things that I love in St. Augustine is this place called the Burrito Works Taco Shop. Yep, that's it right there. That sticker. Yep. So every year I go, uh, I visit it. And I started counting the numbers of times I visited. Last year, I went five times. This year, I went four times. And one of the times that I went this year, uh, because of the pandemic and everybody wearing masks, they actually had a limit, because it's just a very small place, they actually had a limit of about 15 people that they were letting inside. And when I arrived there, there was a woman standing at the door who was kind of blocking the door until everybody saw the signs, you know, that you weren't allowed to go in. And, And she's like, I have a party of seven. And I was like, oh, okay. I mean, there was just her. Uh, and, and I'll tell you, the rest of my interaction with her was not very redeeming at all. In fact, it was very terse. And, and, and I started to talk to her because on her phone, she had an OSU pop socket. But, but after I, I began speaking with her, I decided this was not going to happen. I am not going get, to get, become friends with this lady. So we're standing in line and we're waiting on people to leave the taco shop because there's tons of people inside. or tons of people. There was, there was the 15 limit inside. And people start coming out. And as people come out, the lady goes in, but it's just her. Her party of seven is not there. And she starts organizing a table. Well, I start looking through the windows and I'm counting how many people are there. And so I send my son and his friends in because that would be the right number. More people came out. She's still organizing her table for her party of seven that was not there. 
and more people come out and so I walk in. So now my party of four who was willing to order tacos to go because they're just that delicious, I'm telling you. We're willing to order tacos to go. I get to the cash register and this lady who's now all the way back by the door and is stopping people from coming in, you can't come in, I have a party of seven, even though they weren't there. She was turning business away from this taco shop for this party of seven who goodness knows, I mean, I hope they were okay because we didn't see them. Maybe there was a search and rescue party looking for them. I don't know, but they weren't in the building and she was stopping these guys from making money by saying, my party of seven is, is I have a party of seven, can't come in. And anyway, so she, she finally turns around, she sees me at the register and she goes, she does one of these things. She goes, really? And I snapped my head so hard, I looked to the left and I said, hold up, Karen. Now, before I go any further in the story, you need to understand what a Karen is. Uh, if you were to look uh, on the internet uh, and type in, what is a Karen? You will find that a Karen is uh, a terminology used to describe a woman who complains a lot. In fact, you know who the one, she's got the haircut that, that is always short and high and tight and she always wants to speak to the manager. Yep, that's what a Karen is. So I snap and I'm like, hold up, Karen. I said, your party's not even here yet and we just want to order tacos to go. The guy behind the counter thought I was having a beef with her until I explained, but we just want to order tacos and give you money. Will you take my money in exchange for a delicious UFO taco? He said, your party's not here? No. Yeah, go ahead and do it. <laughs> so, so we made our purchase. Her party of seven must have showed up at some point in time, but it didn't matter. My point is, is we don't need a whole lot of words to complain. We just, in one word, really? We can even just make a sound, right? Like, like a, a noise, like, that's a full complaint issued, right? You understand it. Or a sigh. <sighs> that's a complaint. But it's not just easy to complain. We can find all kinds of things to complain about, can't we? I mean, we complain about like, holy cow, can you believe I have to go to work today? Or holy cow, my car broke down and I have to take money out of my savings account in order to pay for it. Or, or well, my friends just wanna hang out and all I wanna do is stay home tonight. Or, or can you believe I have to get up that early to go to Disney World? Or, or I was at Cheesecake Factory and they ran out of my favorite cheesecake. Can you believe it? Ugh. Like, did we just miss all that? Because in each one of those complaints, there were things that we ought to be thankful for. The, the fact that you have a job to go to, the fact that you have a car to fix and savings in the bank to fix it. The fact that you have friends that desire to be around you, the fact that you get to go to Disney World and that you were at the Cheesecake Factory. My God, my God, what a beautiful thing. We don't just complain about those kind of things. We also complain about the weather. It's too hot, it's too cold. And that's just in an afternoon here in Ohio. We, we talk about how it's, it's, uh, there's, there's too much rain or there's not enough rain. There's too much snow or there's not enough snow. Or maybe in this pandemic, I don't wanna wear a mask. Or how come you're not wearing a mask? Or I can't believe this place is open. Or I can't believe this place is closed. I can't believe we have to stay home. I can't believe there's people going out. Like there's just all these complaints. We just keep complaining. And I think the new pandemic is complaining. And I think that we as a church have a responsibility and I'm calling us to flatten the curve on complaining. The good news is, is that today I'm gonna to share with you that there is a cure. There's a cure to complaining and it is gratitude. Because when gratitude is expressed, it changes your heart. Take a look at this, let's go to the scriptures. Proverbs 15, 13 says, a glad heart makes a cheerful face but by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is crushed. Now here's the thing. 
We all know how to put on a happy face. So this verse can't just be about our face. This has to be by, about what comes out of our face. In other words, our words. The Bible says that out of the abundance of the heart does a man speak. And so it's like, okay, Aaron, how do I have my heart filled in such a way that the words coming out of my mouth match my face, like that it is cheerful? How do I have a glad heart? Because I desire it. How do I get it? Well, the answer is simply found in learning to develop an attitude of gratitude. Gratitude, which leads to a glad heart, by the way, has all kinds of psychological benefits. Check them out. The impacts of gratitude are first, that, that psychologists will tell you that it eliminates toxic emotions. The impact of gratitude will reduce pain in your physical body. The impact of gratitude will improve your sleep quality. It will aid in stress regulation and it reduces anxiety and depression. You know, I know that last one really, really rings true for me, specifically because uh, if, if you've been attending our church for any time, you know that 2019 was one of the worst years of my life. I fell into a very, very deep and dark depression. And the thing that pulled me out of that depression was learning that gratitude and depression cannot coexist. They, they simply cannot. That depression is that feeling. If you're wondering, Aaron, I'm not sure if I'm depressed. Depression ultimately is about feeling stuck. You can feel stuck physically. You can feel stuck emotionally, mentally, spiritually, relationally. And there is some deep work that, that oftentimes need to be done. And the majority of that work that needs to be done to step out of feeling stuck and out of depression is, begins with gratitude. Gratitude and depression cannot coexist. And so I learned to have a daily habit of gratitude. In fact, I have a journal. I, I journal four things. I'll share two of them today that I, that I, I journal every day. But one of those things, I, I journal three things that right here and right now I am thankful for. And I do that every morning. Every morning, I start my day with gratitude. So if you're feeling stuck today, if you're feeling depression, grabbing its icy claws around the throat of your life, my goodness, I don't mean to be so graphic, but that's what it can feel like. Start with gratitude and begin working your way out. Now, I know some of you might push back a little bit to this because, well, you know what, Aaron, I don't have anything to be thankful for. Uh, wrong. Yes, you absolutely do. You know what, people that say this to me, I push back and here's what I say. Let's just start off with your day. Did you wake up alive this morning? That's two things to be thankful for. A, that you woke up, and B, that you were alive, that you had breath in your body. Where did you wake up? Well, I woke up in my bed. Hey, you can be thankful for that. I do that too. I just take a walk through my house. I woke up in my bed that is oh so comfy. I thank you, God, for that. I thank you, God, that my bathroom is right there, that I can easily get to it. Because y'all know my wife won't let me have a nightlight, and I get up to pee in the middle of the night two or three times. So it's easy to get to. Thank God that I don't stub my toe anymore on the way to the bathroom, that I chose, that I gained some wisdom, and that I get to sleep on this side of the bed, which is closest to it, instead of on the opposite side where I kept hitting the dresser with my foot. Thank God that I not only have my bathroom here, but that all three of my kids are here in my house. Thank God that I got a car outside that I get to pay insurance on. Thank God that I've got money in the bank to pay for the car, to pay for the gas, to pay for the insurance. Thank God that I have a job that brings income. Thank God that my wife has has a job and income. Thank God for the puppies that bring me so much joy in my life. And on and on the list goes. You don't have to go far to find things to be 
thankful for, something to express gratitude. Everything we have is a gift from God. And I would say that everything you have and in every situation, there is something to be thankful for. I have a friend of mine who years ago, he, he, he got saved, but he had a whole lot of baggage from his time being far away from Jesus that he still needed to deal with. And you and I both understand that, right? So when I tell you this story about him, he, he came to me, he said, man, he said, I can't believe you know, I'm, I'm living this life for Jesus. And he said, and I was praying for this court date and I went in and the judge assigned me some anger management classes. I can't believe I got to do that. Ironically enough, he was angry about it. And so he, he's telling me he has to go. And I'm like, hey, bud, listen, you know, there's, pro- there's probably a reason. There's probably something here that you can be thankful for. So go into it with a different heart. And so he began to thank God for the opportunity because he didn't know what was going to be there. And he started looking for what God had for him in it. He came back and reported there was a guy he was able to pray with and talk to about Jesus. And like gratitude just changes everything. It changes everything. There is something in everything that we can be thankful for. Gratitude will kick depression. But not just that. Check it out. Gratitude is the gateway to peace. Gratitude will pull you out of depression, but gratitude will also be the gateway to peace. Let me take you to the scripture and show you how gratitude specifically will cure complaining so that you can stay positive. Now, I'll tell you about the author of this. He wrote this. This is in the book of Philippians, and it's Paul who wrote this. And this is one of the They call it the prison epistles, which means just a letter he wrote from prison. Paul is currently locked up. He's isolated. He doesn't know when he's going to get out of this situation. That sound like us right now in the middle of this pandemic. We have no idea when it will come to an end. And we're reaching out to people because see, Paul would plant a church and then he would move on to other, other churches and plant them as well. And he would write letters to people. And so that's what he's doing. But in this situation, he has this unsure future and he writes... Uh, this to the church at Philippi. He says this, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Now, when the Bible gets to repeating something, you should pay attention to it, right? Because there's rejoice and rejoice. And this word rejoice has within it. Your Bible's written in two languages, right? The, the Hebrew in the Old Testament and Greek in the New Testament. This is New Testament. So it was originally written in Greek and it was translated to English for us. And this word rejoice has at its root in the Greek word, the word charis. The word charis means grace gift. So he's saying rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the grace gift you've been given, which by the way is in the Lord. All the things that we have, the grace gifts we have, the gifts that were given to us that we did not deserve. Hear me. He's saying rejoice about those. This is a posture. This is an attitude that we have to get. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Now Paul's in prison and he knows that he's already been given a death sentence. He knows that when he went to Rome, that he was going to die. He knows, but he knows that. And he's still penning this letter saying rejoice. He's still saying, you know what? I don't need anything else. I'm content. There's nothing to complain about here, but the man was in prison. The guy was isolated. He was far from his friends. And yet he's saying rejoice. Because he knew something that we need to understand today, that gratitude changes everything, that rejoicing, taking joy in the grace gifts that God has given us changes our circumstances. Paul knew in this moment, he didn't need anything more. He didn't need God to do anything more for him. He had everything he needed because he had God's grace that he found in Christ. So here's what Paul is saying that 
gratitude does. And it's a quote from Melody Beatty. She says, gratitude unlocks the fullness of life. It turns what we have into enough and more. It turns denial into acceptance, chaos to order, confusion to clarity. It can turn a meal into a feast and a house into a home, a stranger into a friend. Man, I think that is so beautiful. That The idea that gratitude takes what we have and makes it enough. Therefore, Paul is saying, rejoice. Doesn't matter what you're walking through. Doesn't matter the circumstances that you're in. You begin right here with gratitude over the things you have received by God's grace. Gratitude is the gateway to peace. So we start here at rejoicing. And then Paul goes on and he says, this is uh, Philippians 4 verse 5. He says, the Lord is at hand, which by the way, that's just beautiful. I would love to pause there, but I don't have time. I got to keep moving. This statement alone is beautiful. Talking about presence, that the God of the universe, the God who created everything, loves you and is with you and is for you and is good. He's better than anything you can imagine. And he is with you. No matter what you're going through, the good, the bad, the worst, the pandemic, the election cycle, the divorce, the turmoil in your house, the turmoil in your finances, the lack of a job, he's at hand. He's with you. That's powerful stuff because presence makes all the difference when you're walking through something difficult. Then he says, do not be anxious about anything. Which by the way, the wording of this right here tells me that being anxious, being worried, that's what it means. Because being worried, this word that is used here, this word means being pulled apart. That you're being pulled in many different directions, right? He says, don't be anxious don't be worried. And some of you feel that today. You're worried about your job. You're worried about your finances. You're worried about the future. You're worried about your kids' schooling. You're worried. You're being pulled apart. But Paul says, he says, don't be anxious. That means it's a choice. You can choose to not be anxious, to not be pulled. Because that pulling is why we complain. That pulling is what causes that tension and the pain in our life. In fact, you know, when you go to a doctor and you're, you're talking to him about your symptoms, the doctor records what you say, say as patient presents this complaint. Our pain, our issue leads to the complaint. That's his job to identify what we, we say the symptom is his, but it's his job to identify the issues that need to be addressed. And the issue is for us, when we worry and feel pulled apart and we feel that tension and pain, the issue is an anxious heart. Don't worry. So how do we do that? How do we not worry? That's great. Paul gives us the next answer here. He says this, but in everything, in prayer, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Now you say, Aaron, that seems a little repetitive because when I look up the definition of prayer and supplication, it sounds like both of them are just prayer requests. No, that's, that's not the case here. What God is talking about, or what Paul is talking about here is something that is directional and positional. Prayer means, by prayer is about directional, it's positional, it's who you're talking to. It's about addressing your father, because I think a lot of us talk to God as if he's this magic genie, but he's not. He is a loving, caring father who wants to provide for us. So he's saying, hey, make sure you direct your prayers 
to our heavenly father. And then he says supplication. And when you look at supplication, the main difference between the word prayer and supplication is about how it's done. This is about the way that we communicate it. It essentially means an out loud request. I know so many people and I, and I can't believe that I encounter so many Christians that have been Christians for years who don't pray out loud and talk to God. They're like, well, God knows my heart. Yes, he does, but he wants to hear it from your mouth, guys. So, so prayer involves, it's about who you're talking to. Positionally, it's, it's Father. Jesus even said this when you pray. Our Father who's in heaven. And then, and then it's about saying it out loud. Jesus also said that too. When you pray, say this. Pray like this, say it out loud. It's about directional. All right, I digress. You get it. The Lord knows your heart, but he wants to hear from your mouth. And by the way, the ways of the Lord are not complicated. We're just stubborn. We're, we're just stubborn. Well, I'm going to pray this unspoken prayer request. God knows my heart. He wants to hear your heart more than anything. So then he goes on to say, with Thanksgiving. And I remember reading this for the first time. I remember going, I need some peace. I, God, I, I'm, I'm in a situation and I know that you're with me, but I need some peace. <clears throat> and I remember reading this part that said, with thanksgiving. And I thought, God, am I supposed to be thankful for the pain that I'm experiencing right now? Like, is that what you want me to do? You want me to say, hey, God, thank you for the pain that I'm experiencing my back. Thank you for the financial lack. Thank you, God, that my marriage is a mess. Do I, am I, is that the way? I'm, thank you for the addiction that is running rampant in my life. Did I do it right? Was that it? Then I continued to pray about it and I sought counsel and it doesn't mean to be thankful for the pain that you're going through. What it means, this word here, Thanksgiving, is actually the word Eucharista. And the word Eucharista has at its center the word charis. This is about being thankful for God's grace gifts. Again, it's the same thing Paul was talking about when he said rejoice. In other words, this is a moment that we get to take where we say, God, thank you for what you've done in my life. Thank you, God, that you've been faithful in the past. Thank you, God, for what you've done for, for, for believers for years. Thank you, God, for what you're doing in this world. Thank you, God, for the way you've been faithful to me in the past. Remember, I said in my journal, I, I journal four things, but, but I'll give you two today. One was gratitude. The second one uh, that, I, that I journal is my prayer request. And the kind of journal that I use is a five-year journal so that when I look at it, uh, every year on this date, so today, the day that I'm filming, I'm looking at the date on, the, cam uh, on the, uh, um, the, the top of the page, and there are five entries for five years worth. And today I was able to look at the prayer requests and the things I was thankful for then and the things that were burdening my heart at that time. And today I got to celebrate the way that God had answered those prayers from a year ago. That's a powerful thing to journal your prayer request because you can remember the ways that God has been faithful so that in this moment, when you're praying, you can remember, all right, I'm gonna talk to my father, I'm gonna say it out loud, and I'm gonna look and see how God has been faithful to me. It reminds you of his faithfulness and it is a beautiful thing. Again, that word Eucharista, you can see the word charis is right in the middle of it and it means grace, be thankful for all God has gifted you with, the grace gift, the things you did not deserve, the ways that he has been faithful to you. And watch what happens as you choose to not worry. Watch what happens as you come to God and you pray and you thank him for his grace in the past. Watch what happens. The next verse says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, it means you're gonna walk through things different than anybody else walks through them. People are going to look at you and not understand why you have so much peace when you're experiencing the greatest turmoil of your life, when you're going through the greatest pain of your life, when you're going through the most uncertain season of your life. 
you'll have, you'll have a peace that surpasses everybody else's understanding, even your own. I don't, I don't know why I have peace right now. Well, actually you will. Everybody else looking at you, just look at you strange. How do you have that kind of peace? And that peace will guard your hearts. And if that wasn't enough, your minds in Christ Jesus. This is a powerful thing. The peace of God is yours to have. And the gateway to get there is gratitude, rejoice, thanksgiving. This is the way that we get here. Remember that peace is a choice and so is worry. But peace comes through ultimately laying your cares and your concerns, the things that you're worried about at the feet of God through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving means that your prayer request can be shaped a little differently. You can come before the Father and say, Father, thank you that I get to come to you today. Today, I ask you to save my kids. They've been running wild. But Lord, I remember there was a time that I was far away from you too. And I trust that if you brought me home, you'll bring them home too. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, what a powerful prayer. What a peaceful prayer. It places all of it at the feet of Jesus. Say, I trust you because of your faithfulness in the past. Now, some of you may look at this message and go, aha, I found the formula. I found the thing that if I just say it how Pastor Aaron just said it, that I'll get everything I want from God and I'll have all the peace. And that is just not how that works. Because here's the thing. It's all for those that are in Christ Jesus. It's for those of us that, that are in him. How do you say, Aaron, what, what does that mean? What does it mean to be in him? Because there are some of you that, that admittedly are not there yet. Well, I'll tell you what it means. There's this bumper sticker that is out there. It's, it's kind of a, uh, I don't know. It's, it's a silly Christian bumper sticker, Christianese kind of thing. But it's very powerful in what it says. It says, no Jesus means no, Jesus absent from your life. No peace. But if you know Jesus, that you know him, you know him as the friend that he intends to be for you. You know him, then you will know peace. Why? Because Jesus is the Prince of Peace. You cannot have peace without him in your life. And also you need to know this, that as we're looking at being thankful for the grace gifts, Jesus was the greatest gift of grace we ever received. That God loved us so much that he sent his only son to live a perfect and sinless life to be brutally murdered on a cross, to die, to raise from the dead three days later, all so that you and I could be made brand new, all so that you and I could be forgiven, all so that you and I could be made in right standing with our heavenly father as long as we accepted what Christ did for us, placed our faith in him. This is how we find ourselves in Christ. And as we step into that and we walk in relationship with our heavenly father, like Jesus did, we find that we have the peace that passes all understanding that guards our hearts and our minds. You'll find that you have a heart that is full of gratitude. And a heart that is full of gratitude, your mouth speaks thanks and praise. The cure for complaining is a heart of gratitude. A heart of gratitude around the grace that God has given us. And Jesus is the grace experience that ultimately leads to the greatest gratitude that you can express on a regular basis, no matter what is going on in your life. But I understand as much as we get this right, we also have a tendency to get it wrong. Our minds tend to drift. Our hearts tend to place things on the throne of it. It's called idolatry and we do it pretty easily. And that's why Paul 
tells us like, hey, I understand you received grace, but worry will kind of creep its way back in. Money will sit on the throne of your heart. Achievement, success, career, all these kind of things will sit on the throne of your heart and try to take the place of God that provides you peace. That's why Paul said this, he said, finally brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, this is a beautiful list, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Paul knew that we would have a mind that needs to be kept in check as he's laying there in prison, as we're sitting here in a pandemic, in socially tense environments, with an election and, and, and a spotlight on racism in our own lives that we've never seen before. With all these things going on, and then our own personal issues, and our relationships, our marriages, our finances, our home life, our physical bodies, our minds. Paul knew we gotta keep our minds in check because our thoughts become attitudes and words and words become actions. And if we're not careful, complaining will become our default and we'll be robbed not only of a gratitude, of, a, of, a, of, a, of the gratitude in our hearts, but, but the peace that comes along with expressing that gratitude and coming to God. So it's our responsibility to turn off the news, detach from social media, to get into God's word, get into his presence, turn on some worship music. And no matter the circumstances, good, bad, or worse, to keep our minds on what is true, what is honorable, what is just, what is pure, what is lovely, what is commendable, what is excellent, what is worthy of praise. We're supposed to think about those things. Keep our minds there because developing and keeping an attitude of gratitude is the cure for complaining and what will help us specifically in this season and beyond to stay positive. Let's pray. Father, today we just thank you for the grace that we have received. We thank you, God, for, that, for the grace that we've received specifically in Jesus. It's undeserved. We, we don't deserve it. Today, we, we come to you and we choose trust over worry. In fact, if there's something that you felt pulled apart over right now, I just wonder if where you're at, you wouldn't say, Heavenly Father, I need your help. And today I'm choosing to trust you because you've been faithful to me in my life. And I, there, even, if, even if you haven't identified the faithfulness of God in your life, maybe you know somebody that God has been faithful in their life. And, and you can say, God, thank you for being faithful in their life because he's the same God for them that he'll be for you. And God, I know, I know you've, you've healed someone else. And God, I know that you've delivered someone else. You've broken addiction off of Aaron's life. And I know you can break mine. I just choose to trust you in this moment. <laughs> no matter the circumstance, Father, we pray. My prayer is may we be grateful today. May that gratitude remind us that we have more than enough in Christ, that even in death, we gain him because to live is, is to be with Christ, to die is gain, we gain him. So help us to keep our minds in check and to stay positive. Now, there are those of you that are watching today right now, this is a moment I'm speaking specifically to you. Those of you that would identify you feel far from God. Maybe you would say, I don't know my heavenly father, but I wanna know him. The way that we do that is through the sacrifice that Jesus made. We just accept it. We don't have to do anything. We don't have to be good. We don't have to clean up our act. No, Jesus does all that when we enter into relationship with him. We do that just by simply accepting what he did, by placing our faith in him, choosing to follow him. And know that you're going to do that imperfectly. We all do. 
and know that you're going to need grace. We all do every day and every moment. You're going to need forgiveness. You're going to need his help. In fact, when we submit our lives to Christ, he fills us with his spirit so that we can live and become more like him. You have all the help and all the power you need to do it. So today, if you're ready to not only receive forgiveness, eternity in heaven, but God's power and his spirit that dwells inside of you, if you're ready to receive that, pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I need you. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new and show me how to live for you from this day forward. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Now, right now, wherever you're at, if you said yes to that prayer, there's a button on the screen that says, I'm saying yes to Jesus. I'm raising my hand. Would you click that button and, and mark it so that we can celebrate with you? What that does is it just lets the people in the room know that there's somebody that's raising their hand. If you're in our campus, we love to celebrate that. In fact, as, as you're raising your hands and saying, yep, I prayed that prayer today. Yep, I placed my faith in Jesus today. There are people that are celebrating right now in this room with you. If you're watching on YouTube, on Facebook, man, just make a comment. Say, yeah, I said yes to Jesus today. We would love to connect with you. For those of you that did click that button, there is another step I'm asking you to take today. You took a beautiful step of faith today. Take another step and fill out the connection card. If you're in our online campus, you can see the button to do that. If you're uh, watching in other venues, just check the description. The link is in the description of the video. But we would love to connect with you. We'd love to get you a Bible. We'd love to help you find a church. If you're not nearby us for whenever we open and have in-person Sunday gatherings, uh, we'd love to be your church. But if, 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 if we're not close enough for you, then you can continue to tune in online. But I really believe that if you can get to an in-person church somewhere, that'd be the best thing to get you connected to community. We'd love to help you with that. So let us do that with you. Let us celebrate this step that you've made to get today by filling out a connection card. Amen, everybody. All right, listen, as we celebrate that, I want to wrap up today's message with an opportunity for you to give. For those of you that God has spoken to your hearts about giving something today or others of you that you're committed to give of your tithes and your offerings, we thank you for your faithfulness. It is making a huge difference uh, across the country and here. Uh, this past week, we had an incredible opportunity uh, last weekend to uh, give out 100 boxes of food, uh, which we, we actually didn't have to pay a dime for, but I'm so thankful for the team. I just want to celebrate the generosity of people, not only with their money, but with their time and their energy. They showed up and uh, gave out 100 boxes of food. Some were delivered to some people's homes. Others were delivered on the spot at French Run Elementary here in Reynoldsburg. And I just want to say thank you to that team that led that. And just let you know, Simple Church, we are on the move, making a difference. I would love to have you be a part of what we're doing in the future. Keep watch on our social media. And of course, check the announcement section of our website and the In This Together section as well for how we are serving and, uh, and how you can be a part of it. I love you guys so much. God bless you. Uh, thank you so much for giving. And uh, we will see you next Sunday for another message in our Stay Positive series.